toll from COVID-19 approaches 2 million, health professionals fear the pandemic could be claiming more lives as critical medical testing is delayed. New research shows that cardiac testing rates needed to diagnose heart disease have fallen across the globe by as much as two-thirds in the early months of the pandemic. And in Australia, there was a 40% reduction in total cardiovascular procedures in March and April this year. Associate Professor Nathan Butler is Deputy Director of Nuclear Medicine and he's a cardiologist at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and one of the authors of the study. Nathan Bennett, welcome to RM Breakfast. Thank you very much, Sally. Good morning. Uh, Dr Bennett, there's been a worldwide uh, drop in cardiac tests. Why has this happened? It's a lot of good reasons for this, uh, Sally, and we're still trying to get to the bottom of it. Uh, part of the reason or the main driver behind all of this is uh, government uh, regulations. And uh, our trial actually looked right across the world. Some governments are uh, stricter than others in terms of um, forcing people to reduce their testing and uh, shutting down elective procedures in different uh, laboratories. At other times, it's uh, patients actually inadvertently deciding not to come in for testing. And so the patient's making the decision and they're not being tested. Uh, the answer lies somewhere between the two, and uh, trying to find that out is part of our work. And Dr Betty, your study involved 108 countries, including Australia. Was there a big difference between developed and developing nations? Absolutely. And uh, the, the, the impact of COVID-19 really was right across the globe. In fact, everybody, everybody suffered from this, but some places suffered more. Uh, in fact, Latin America across Latin America was the worst place to suffer. But here in Oceania and in the Pacific, we suffered a little bit less. Our numbers were our numbers were a little bit uh, not quite as bad as some of these other places. We also looked at uh, the developed world and the developing world, and what we found was that in lower and low to middle income uh, countries, uh, that there was a further twenty two percent reduction of what we found elsewhere. So the answer is yes, uh, economies do make a difference and the poorer the country, the worse they tend to do, unfortunately. And were there any findings that were unique to Australia? Uh, I, think the, I think the answer was probably yes. Uh, not only did we look at the procedure numbers, but we also looked at uh, the availability of PPE. We tended, to be, we tended to suffer a little bit less than the rest of the world as far as that's concerned. Uh, the other thing which was a little bit different for Australia was that when the trial was actually performed was back in March and April of 2020. And at that time, our peak hadn't quite happened yet. Certainly the second lockdown that happened in Melbourne, this was well and truly before that. Uh, but a lot of the other countries such as the US, places like Brazil, and as we know, places such as uh, Far East uh, Asia with China, they'd been through their first peak well and truly while at that time, Australia was really just making preparations and the government was doing an anticipation uh, change in terms of blocking electives. So do we know yet the implications of these findings, the toll of it? Look, this, is, this is the million-dollar question, uh, Sally. We, we, we know that at the end of the day that uh, while there's, a, as you early articles today has shown on your, on your uh, program, that uh, there is a lot of COVID uh, cases occurring. There's uh, 1.93 million deaths with COVID occurring. Uh, per year, but there's actually 17 plus million deaths occurring from cardiovascular causes across the world. Uh, we know that uh, non-invasive testing does help prevent uh, d diseases from cardiac disease from occurring, and does prevent cardiac deaths. But do we know in the COVID era that this loss in number of cardiac tests that are being done, both invasive and non-invasive, do we know yet whether this will translate into a worsening cardiac outcome? Our suspicion is yes, but we do not have proof of that as yet. 
And what's the psychology of all of this? You're talking on one hand. Late into a worsening cardiac outcome. Our suspicion is yes, but we do not have proof of that as yet. And what's the psychology of all of this? You're talking on one hand that there's some issues with people being able to get access to tests, but those who have access and choose not to, what's the understanding of people's uh, thoughts on, on risk? Something like COVID is, is new, it's sudden, whereas something like heart disease, as deadly as it is, is, is something that's been there for a long time. Yeah, look, we, we, know that, we know that patients are sort of, uh, uh, we, we saw this in our own practice at the Royal Melbourne, that uh, patients who, who we knew were scheduled for testing sometimes just didn't turn up. And so the, the implications of whether they should or shouldn't be going is really where we have to find the answer. We know the governments have to act responsibly and they have to try to close down elective work. But at the end of the day, we still want to make sure that people do actually turn up for their tests and, uh, and do actually arrive. And what have you seen with your own patients? Look, with my own patients personally, my own clinical practice, I have noticed this. We have sometimes cancelled some procedures and made sure that they uh, we try to postpone it till uh, after the COVID era or after a COVID spike is actually occurring. But uh, if I can give one particular case, uh, I know I had one particular patient in his mid-50s who uh, I'd been following for many years with a heart valve problem. And he was getting yearly checks. And we told him, look, if you get, if you get any symptoms, please come and see us earlier. And he turned up for his yearly check. In fact, it was by telehealth as, as instructed. And uh, I asked him, presuming that he was going to be well, he then declared that he'd been sick for some four months and had some shortness of breath. And just he was too scared to come in and see me and too scared to come in and have his ultrasound test done of the heart. That must make you con- shudder as a practitioner. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. And mm. when he finally came in to see me, uh, he was clearly in a lot of trouble in heart failure. And we had to rush him through for urgent surgery, which, thank goodness, he, he survived and got through. But uh, the outcome could have been a lot worse for this young man in his 50s. I mean, while we're talking about that, what advice would you have for people who are ignoring... ...in his 50s? I mean, while we're talking about that, what advice would you have for people who are ignoring symptoms, things they're not sure about? What would you say to them? Uh, this, this is a very strong message from this trial, that... Uh, do not ignore your symptoms. Uh, not, in all cases, in, not in all cases will you need to go and have a cardiac test done, but you must see your doctor or at least contact your doctor by telehealth if you do have symptoms. And this may not just be your cardiologist. It may be your general practitioner. It may be your hospital. It may be inpatient or outpatient. But do not ignore your symptoms because cardiac death, cardiac conditions are very important even in the COVID era. So please don't ignore them. So what are those early signs and symptoms? If someone hasn't experienced heart trouble before, what would get you along to the doctor? This is the symptoms that we sort of see the most. We always talk about any form of chest pain. Uh, we always talk about the dull central chest pain going up to the jaw and the arms, but that doesn't always hold. We have a lot of atypical presentations and that's what our testing does sort out. But if you do start to discover chest pain, please speak to your doctor about it. Similarly, shortness of breath, dizziness, palpitations, or any, sim- or any blackouts or symptoms that just don't quite make sense. And sometimes for women, those, those symptoms can be a little atypical? In women, the t- symptoms can be atypical. Uh, traditionally, we've known for many years that women tend to ignore the symptoms, and we've known that uh, women's, we've, there's always been this question mark as to whether women are being undertreated in the world. And uh, in fact, not our trial, but other trials have actually found this to be very much the case. So we tell women particularly, please don't ignore the symptoms. <clears throat> they may be atypical, but they should not be ignored. And just very briefly and finally, is there now a backlog of patients to get through? 
Uh, so the, the answer is the answer is definitely yes. And uh, we noticed ourselves that once here in, I, I work in Melbourne, and in Melbourne once the spike was finished, we had to try to get through the backlog. But uh, we still are getting through it at the moment. And uh, I think all of us all of us health professionals that are working in the hospitals found that once the lockdowns were over, that uh, we were being swamped a little bit as well too. Sometimes the president working in the hospitals found that once the lockdowns were over, that uh, we were being swamped a little bit as well too. Sometimes appropriately, sometimes inappropriately, and, and we don't really know whether whether we're handling it properly or not. But uh, we're hoping that our trial is going to show that uh, uh, a way forward in which case, in which way we can actually deal with this backlog if 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 and when uh, further uh, uh, further swings or further spikes in COVID nineteen occur. Associate Professor Nathan Better, thank you very much for joining us on RN Breakfast. Thank you for having me on, Sally. That's Nathan Better, the Deputy Director of Nuclear Medicine and a cardiologist at the Royal Melbourne.